I have often talked in various conferences from time to time about the problem of the authority of the husband over the wife. Many things, of course, need to be said about that, which I don't care to say now because I've already spoken on this broadcast many times about the question. Let me warn, however, at the outset, that those who think that the husband has some kind of a tyrannical or absolute authority over the wife do not understand the Bible's position at all. The husband's authority over the wife is limited to the authority that God has given to him in the scriptures, and it does not extend beyond that. All authority is limited. Every authority given, the authority God gives to the state, the authority God gives to the church, the authority God gives to the husband, the authority that God gives to parents, every authority is limited by that which the word of God says belongs to that authority. No one has an authority to ask anything else beyond what the scriptures teach. Now I've said that often on the air and in various other places. And I've said, for example, that a husband has no authority to order his wife to sin. Now that should be obvious. God doesn't give anybody authority to tell others to sin. That's why, for example, when the uh, apostles were told to sin by the state by uh, refusing to preach or stopping their preaching, even though Jesus Christ had sent them out to preach, when the state told them to stop preaching, it would have been a sin for them to stop because Jesus had already told them to preach. They were certainly uh, right in responding as they did, we must obey God rather than men. And in that interesting statement of obeying God rather than men, we have set forth for us a contrast between two authorities, the authority of God and a human authority which man sets forth on his own. And in every instance where God has granted authority to the state, to the home, to the church, to a husband, that authority is limited to what God said were the particular rules and regulations uh, for the use of that authority. So that the state had no authority to forbid the apostles to preach. And when the state tried to forbid the apostles to preach in the name of Jesus Christ, what was really happening was that the authority that they were using was not from God. God's authority doesn't contradict itself, as if in, he would tell the church to preach and he would tell the state that they could say uh, not to preach. No, God doesn't contradict himself in the granting of authority in two realms that are, are antagonistic to one another. All of God's authority granted in every realm it harmonizes with God's authority granted in every other realm. No, when they said, you may not preach to the apostles, the state had gone beyond the authority granted to the state. This is not the state's right to make such a, de a declaration. The state has no business dealing with the question of whether one should preach the, in the name of Christ or not. And that's why the apostles said, we must obey God in the authority that the church had given to them and Christ had given to them in the church as authorities and had told them to preach the gospel to all the world. We must obey God in that command which was clearly and plainly given within the scope of the authority of the church and indeed directly relating to its task we must obey God rather than men. It was man's authority that the state was asserting at this point. 
and not God's authority. The state had gone beyond the divine authority granted to it and was stepped, had stepped over into a use of its own authority, which of course was no authority and thereby did not have to be obeyed because it disagreed with God's authority revealed elsewhere. Now I've said that kind of thing and I've said that no husband, just like no state, has a right to command his wife to sin, to do wrong. Then when I say that, uh, usually I get a response in a meeting or somewhere else. And here is one of them that was written, and I'll read it to you. Husband's authority over wife, it says. Abraham ordered Sarah to lie, to say that she was his sister. How does this fall into the separation of God's authority and man's? Now that's a very good question because there are a number of people around today who have been citing that particular instance of Sarah and her lying or her misrepresentation, her attempt to deceive, even though she was talking about the truth of being a sister, nevertheless she was using it in a deceptive way uh, by trying to throw Pharaoh off from the idea that she was, was uh, Abraham's wife. Now, uh, it, it's important for us to recognize that even though this is being used, it's being wrongly used in that context. The passage that's referred to is in 1 Peter, found in 1 Peter 3, 6, where we read about, in that context, wives of unsaved husbands being submissive to their own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, the scriptures, they may be one without a word, that is the nagging of their wives, by the behavior of their wives as they observe their chaste and respectful behavior. Now we have as an example in verse 6, thus Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Now you see, that seems to be an example of this kind of thing that's being talked about in the first verse. And so many people say, aha, so Abraham uh, ordered Sarah to lie and she followed him and obeyed him and thus she becomes uh, a good example for us. We can lie if our husbands say to, and it is not sin. No, that is wrong. Notice verse 6. Thus Sarah obeyed Abraham, but it doesn't say how or in what instance or that it has any reference whatever to the lying. That is all read into the passage and that has nothing to do with it. The one point that's being made is that she was willing to obey him, that she was an obedient person because she called him her Lord. Thus Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. That is, she recognized that he had authority over her from God. And that is what is being commended. And notice the rest of the verse, which is usually forgotten in all of this discussion. And you have become her children, that is, you're like her, if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. Very plainly, the writer of 1 Peter is telling us that it is not obedience to God uh, when one obeys a husband who tells one to do what is wrong. It is obedience we're talking about in doing right. One becomes a child of Sarah only when she obeys a husband in doing what is right. And notice also it says without being frightened by any fear. What would ever bring the fear about anyway? What is this business of doing right and not being afraid, which actually is the whole theme of 1 Peter, doing right in the face of persecution and not being afraid? Well, the fear would come from the, the things that you refuse to do that are wrong. Throughout First Peter, you're told about 
not running to the same kind of evil excesses that unbelievers do and receiving all kinds of persecution as a result. No, we must learn to resist evil. We must learn not to do evil. We must learn even in the face of a, a wrong command given by a husband to respectfully say to him in a manner that recognizes his rightful authority but also distinguishes it from a sinful use of that authority and say to him, Honey, I cannot obey you because you're asking me to violate a commandment of God. And then, without fear, to say this and to stand for this even though it may bring further difficulty or hardship. First Peter teaches exactly the opposite of what some have thought. Lord, help us to obey God always rather than men, we pray in his name. Amen.